felt unheard. Or silenced. Have you ever been told? You are too young to be asking about this. Go sit down somewhere. Or, tú eres un niño, tú no sabes, tú todavía estás chiquito, yo estoy adulto, yo sí sé. Well, stay tuned because here at the Youth Talk Podcast, we, the scholars, invite ourselves to the table. We share our opinions and knowledge on topics that have a foundation in community building, mental health, and accuracy for equity. We are making our voices heard. How can we save this future if no one will listen to us? So sit back, get a snack, and listen to the Youth Talk. I'm feeling good. This is Miss Kianda. I, uh, I'm feeling great, actually. I'm, I'm not going to lie. The energy that you guys are giving me today <laughs> is pretty good. So I'm excited. I'm what about everybody else? So. <laughs> this- <laughs> you did. You did. <laughs> <laughs> introduce yourself now go ahead <laughs> okay um i am one of your hosts glenda lee the girl on. tell Lenny. us how you're feeling it doesn't matter um before i wasn't feeling too good but now i'm okay i love it i love it All right. hi my name is stephanie i am one of the co-hosts for the show and I'm feeling not as tired as I usually feel. <laughs> I'm feeling excited and energized for this episode. Um, hi, I'm Joalice. I'm hungry. So therefore that is why I'm eating. And I'm pretty energized, which is really uncommon for me since I'm always tired. But yeah, we love that. <laughs> Thank you, Joe. I think we got another person here, another one, another person on our team. Yeah. He starts with a K. Starts with a K. Yeah. Okay. Oh, my mother of ten. <laughs> <laughs> you mean Kendall, right? I know you mean Kendall. Yeah. <laughs> Shout no, out to Kendall. Kendall. Yes. Kennedy. Um, I'm a bit tired, but yeah, I'm awake and alive. <laughs> Happy you're alive, Kennedy. How you know it's your boy, the kids I um, you know, you know the vibes, you know this month is Black History Month. Even though it's the shortest month of the year, mm, we are still going to celebrate it right. We have we have some things in store. And the topic today. Is relationships. And you know what? We're not going to sit here and say 
Black History Month. We celebrate Black History, or let's just say this is the beginning of Black History Year. We're going to be celebrating it all throughout. That's what we do at SFAM. That's what we do as individuals. Thanks, Zion and Ms. Kianda. This was the third highest requested topic from the scholars at SFAM. We are going to talk about healthy relationships versus unhealthy relationships, important relationships in our lives, and we will be reading some responses and questions from our peers. But before we start in honor of Black History Year, I think we should drop some black facts. Black facts, black, black facts, black facts. Black facts. Black facts. <laughs> 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 we would like to honor New York City radio pioneer Harold Jackson, also known as Hal Jackson who paved the way as the first African-American voice on network radio. Jackson began his career in Washington, D.C. as the first African-American play-by-play sports announcer. He moved to New York in the 1950s, where he hosted three different radio shows, broadcasting a mix of jazz and conversation with celebrities. Jackson later co-founded the Inner City Broadcasting Corporation, one of the first broadcasting companies completely owned by Black. The company acquired WBLS, which pioneered the urban contemporary format. Jackson continued to host the program each week on WBLS. In 1995, Jackson became the first Black person inducted into the National Radio Hall of Fame. He was 96 years old on May 23rd, 2012, when he passed away. Thank you for paving the way, Hal Jackson. Yes, thank you, Mr. Jackson. Thank you, Mr. Jackson. Thank you all so much for that. Remember, you can be the first to never give up on your dreams. Okay, so as we mentioned, the topic today is relationships. So what does a relationship mean? A bond between two or more people. I feel um, a a relationship means um, two people having respect towards each other. Anybody else? What does relationships mean to you guys? Maybe love, but it doesn't have to be like um, like you're dating someone. Love it. love could be also like a friendship love. Mm. Anybody else has a different definition? If they had to put it in their own words? Mm, I don't know. I mean, like, I've never really been in a serious relationship. So, yeah. And I've never been like around people with good relationships. So I don't really know what relationships are to me. So mm. but thank thank you so much for that. Right. So and I think the way you're looking at relationships seems to be more on an intimate level because you said you've never been in a serious relationship. So you're looking at it from an intimate. Glenda mentioned a bond between two people. Steph, what you mentioned again? Um, having two people two people are more having respect towards each other. Okay. All right. And I think for me, uh, I think I'm along the lines of what you guys said, if we're just looking at relationships uh, with anyone, I think it's that, that level of respect or a bond. Like I would, I would agree with Glenda mm-hmm. and stuff. So we're going to read a few responses from the SBAM community. Our first response is, I think relationships should be defined as a structure for people to be there for them at all times and should be supportive for one another. Another one was cute and caring a lot for the other person. Another was like 
like a nice relationships with each person, do things for each other, and don't fight. <laughs> and the last one was a connection between two or more people. We have many more, but these were some that we highlighted. According to a general search on Google, a, a relationship is a look the way in which two or more concepts, objects, or people are connected, or the state of being connected, the state of being connected by blood or marriage, the way in, two, in which two or more people or groups regard and behave towards each other. All right. So when we reflect on this definition of what, what uh, on this definition, what types of relationships come to mind, which is interesting, right? You were just talking about, let's brain dump. What kind of relationships come to mind? I kind of gave a few, right? Like you said, business relationships. Business relationships. What other relationships can you guys think of? Mm, I know there's so um, many. A relationship between your family. Yeah, right? Yeah. A sibling relationship, so important. Sibling, parental. A relationship with food. <laughs> relationship with food. <laughs> Um, friendship is another form of relationship. Facts. Yep. And also relationship, relationship. When you're dating somebody. <laughs> <laughs> Just an intimate mm -hmm. partner relationship. All right. So with all that being said, what do each of you think the most important relationship is when you are young i think um from your parents mm -hmm. so yeah i totally agree so like create a relationship with your parents that you will be able to like tell them everything like be able to like go to them when you have a like a problem where you need to talk to them mm. and you know i i think that's really important and it's not to just plug our first episode but it's no no um I don't think it's like a really a coincidence that we really started off with the notion of how to kind of have a commu communicate with with someone that's so important in our lives, right? And you're right. The most important relationship when you guys are young um, is your parents because that's who you lean on, right? That's who you're looking for, for substance, for guidance, to feed you, all everything really, right? So... So like I said, even if it's your guardian, whoever's, whoever's supposed to be the person to take care of you. Children learn about the world around them through a positive parent-child relationship. As they are gro uh, growing and changing, children look to their parents to determine whether or not they are safe, secure, and loved. Why? This helps the child exhibit optimistic and confident social behaviors. Healthy parent involvement and interaction in a child's day-to-day -day life lay the foundation for better social and academic skills. A secure attachment leads to a healthy social, emotional, cognitive, right? Co who knows what cognitive is? Nope. <laughs> so cognitive is the mind, okay? Oh. So a social, how you interact, an emotional, how you deal with your feelings and stuff, cognitive, your brain function, and motivational development, all right? Now, when you think about a foundation, what do you think of? How would you, how would you like describe foundation? Structure. Structure. So basically you understand like if you are building a building, right? What's the most mm -hmm. important, the bottom or the top? Bottom. Bottom. 
for sure, right? And if you if the mm-hmm. bottom is fugazi, if it it doesn't have the right things that it needs to make sure that everything else can be built on top of it, then it will crumble. All right. So your parent and health, your uh, healthy parent relationship is your foundation into how you continue to grow. Oh, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She felt like you explained it good. very well. Yeah. I felt like that was pretty good. I didn't, you know, just kind of hit me. <laughs> I'm going to be discussing, I'm going to be leaning on you guys to, to build on this. And I'm going to be discussing eight things children need to thrive, right? And please, audience, I want you guys to hear me say it, is thrive, right? So if you don't see that you fit in some of these categories, it's because this is supposed to be like the optimal uh, experience. Unfortunately, uh, within our communities, uh, we have a level of survival, right? We may not go through all of these things because um, life dealt us a different hand, but we have survived. So this is where that, in my opinion, I think this is where you hear a lot of schools talk about resilience. What do you guys believe resilience is? I'm actually quite not sure what that word is. Yeah, same. Yeah. But have you guys heard of the word resilience before? I'm pretty sure once or twice, but I, I know. I heard I it in a music. movie. I heard it in a movie, and I did not know what it meant. No, I was like, what's that? I never heard the word. Really? Who play a piano? Of course, it's Zion. <laughs> um, <laughs> resilience is. Um, how you bounce back from something, right? When I think of resilience, I always think of like a rubber tire. That's kind of how I was taught when I was younger. When you bounce something off it, usually it bounces back really quickly. That's resilience, mm-hmm. how quick you're able to get through a tough situation. How many of you feel like you are resilient? No. Wait, actually, wait. I am. Yes, all of you guys are resilient. Yes. One of you have gone through something and have pushed through. The fact that you guys get to school every day, knowing that there's things that you guys are going on in your home. Some of you are going through things right now and you still pushing through to do this show. Like all of us go through things and we don't give ourselves enough credit, but there's a lot of resiliency that we have. Um, and our parents have, our families have, you know? Think about our community. We talked about mental health last, uh, our last episode. Most of our families go through so much trauma and they push through. That's a huge part of resilience. All right. So when I talk about these eight things that children need to thrive, it's very important to understand that if it's not there, there's still a, it's, I didn't say survive. You know what I mean? This is to thrive, Mm -hmm. Um, but it's never too late to, you know, try to make changes in the areas that you can. Mm-hmm. Um, so the first one I want to talk about is security. Kids must feel safe and sound with their basic survival needs met. So that's shelter, right? You need a roof over your head. You need food, clothing, medical care, and protection from harm, right? And this is what we look for from our parents. Sure, not true. True. At, Very a, true. Yeah, at a young age, this is what you're looking for. So that's why when you hear if a child is not getting food to, to, to keep their bodies grown, if they are sick and they're not getting medical care, right? If they're not protected from harm, that's when things are looked at as um, neglect. That's where that idea comes from in regards to neglect. Okay. 
when we look at stability, stability comes from family and community. Ideally, a family remains together in a stable household. But when that's not possible, it's important to disrupt the child's life as little as possible. Kids and families should be a part of a larger unit to give themselves, to give them a sense of belonging, tradition, and cultural uh, continuity, which is like consistency. So have you ever heard of the term, it takes a village? In the movie. <laughs> it takes a village to raise a family. It takes a village to raise oh, I heard, a child. I heard that before. No. That's what my, no, that, that's what wow. my grandma told. That's what my grandma told my cousin when she had a baby. She was like, "It's gotta, it's not. You gotta need a village to raise that child." Like, mm. Yeah, it does. That's why I, you know community is very important here. Even here at SBAN, we talk about community so much, right? The community. Uh, we say it's an SBAM family. We could we make sure that the families are a part of everything, the children, the staff, the actual community that's outside. Like we try to keep all of that into consideration because as we lead you scholars, it we know that we just can't do it on our own. We're gonna need a community, right? Um, and I think it's important that again, there's as little as a disruption to child's lives uh, as possible, as much as we can. I always think of, you know, co-parenting and how important those things are. Like if there has to be disruption, okay. But there is an importance of making sure that there is some type of flow. So that kind of leads into the next thing, which is consistency, right? No good cop, bad cop. Parents should be on the same page when they are parenting. They should make sure their important values, important values stay consistent, okay? Um, so I think that's, what do you guys feel about that? Good cop, bad cop. Do you guys know what that term means? Yes. Um, kind of. Explain it. Explain what you think it means. Like, there's, like, always two sides to something. There's the good side and the bad side. Okay, what do you think it means in regards to parenting? Like, there's stuff that, like, your parents think that it's, like, okay for you to, for, like, how they parent you. And then there's stuff where they think that. Or maybe, like, a favorite. Like, you have a favorite parent and, like, um... Yeah, or like you have a parent that you like more than the other parent. Oh, that's um, interesting. I mean, like our personal a good cop, bad, good cop, bad cop situation in parents is where there is one specific parent that lets you do whatever you want, and then the other is like, no, you can't do this, you can't do that. That so like you're going to favor the one that lets you do whatever you want, and you're not gonna like the other one as much because you think that they're not giving you freedom. Yeah, there's that level. I, I think you guys all in, in a way hit it on a nail and Joalice brought it home. It's the idea that you can be able to split like, oh, well, I'm going to ask my dad if I can go to my friend's house because he's probably going to say yes, he's not as strict, but mom is going to say no. When both parents are on the same page, right? It gives that consistency. It helps with important values within the family. Um, there's a show uh, called uh, Blackish that does a really good job yes. with, with the understanding that both parents stay on the same page. Even if they don't originally agree, you'll see that the parents will talk about it. And then sometimes they'll come back to the children and they're on the same page and say, okay, this is what we're going to do. You guys are grounded. You guys are this or whatever's going to happen. Um, 
growing up for me a a show that was very important on that notion that I watched was the Cosby show that show brought a lot to black families and showed uh, successful families as well as how that stand on the same page as parents I think there there was no good cop bad cop they really made sure that they were on the same page when talking to their children or uh, giving discipline and that showed values there there was no way that they were going to be able to split the parents up and that is important because you show there's a level of consistency you show the children know what uh are the standards right it's time for black facts black facts black facts black facts all right. What black facts do we have? One of them is about Claudette Coven. Before there was Rosa Parks, there was Claudette Coven. Most people think of Rosa Parks as the first person to refuse to give up their seat on a bus. But in Montgomery, Alabama, there were actually several women who came before her, one of whom was Claudette Coven. It was March 2nd, 1955, when the 15-year-old schoolgirl refused to move to the back of the bus. Nine months before Rosa Parks, sorry, before Rosa Parks' stand that launched the Montgomery bus boycott, Claudia had been studying Black leaders like Harriet Tubman in her segregated school. Those conversations had led to discussions around the current day Jim Crow laws they were all experiencing. When the bus driver ordered Claudette to get up, she refused. It felt like Sojourner Truth was on the side pushing me down and Harriet Tubman was on the other side pushing me down. I couldn't get up. Claudette's Coven stands didn't stop there. Arrested and thrown in jail, she was one of the four women who challenged the segregation law in court. If, if Browder versus Gill became the court case that successfully outturned bus segregation laws in both Montgomery and Alabama, why has Claudette's story been largely forgotten? At the time, the at the time the NAACP and other organizations felt Rosa Parks made a better icon for the movement than a teenager. As an adult with the right look, Rosa Parks was also the secretary of the NAACP and was well known and respected. People would associate with the middle class and that would attract support for the cause, but the struggle to end segregation was also fought by young people, more than half of which were women. Love that. Um, and I think it's very important that it's the young people, it's people your age, you know? It's each of you who spark the move for change. That's why it's important for a platform that we have today for your voices to be heard because it's, you guys are the ones who push things forward. So remember that. So thank you so much, Claudette Colvin. We thank you. And that's another thing. Don't ever think that what you're doing is not going, just because maybe it's not seen or recognized by the masses, your um, push for change or your action made a ripple effect. And look at that. Today in 2021, we are recognizing Claudette. And now back to regular scheduled programming. Um, the next thing is emotional support, right? Parents' words and actions should encourage kids' trust, respect, self-esteem, and ultimately their independence. 
So it's extremely important that there's an emotional support that parents bring to the table. If you feel like I can't be emotional around my parent or I can't, there's certain things you can't do, um, that hinders that part of emotional growth, if that makes sense, right? Parents' words and what they pour in, it's like your words are seeds being planted into your children, basically. That's kind of how it seems, which is why I think words are so important. So if you come home and your parent is telling you that you're stupid or that you can't do nothing right because they're frustrated with everything that's going on. Unfortunately, this starts to breathe something in you where it may lower your self-esteem. You don't feel encouraged to do certain things. You may lack respect for them because you feel like, well, they don't care about me. So what's the point of, you know, um, and you may feel afraid to be independent because you feel like I can't do nothing right, as my parents said, because this is the most important relationship. This is who you're getting everything from. So their words and all that they're doing is planting seeds into you. Okay. Now, then there's love. All right. So <laughs> when it comes to love, saying and showing your love, sh- saying and showing that you love your kids can overcome almost any parenting mistake. And remember, I talked about this last thing when I was like, if you show a child that you love them. It can really do something, right, for them. Um, so it, it talks about it can overcome any parenting mistake in my, that the children might make, even when your kids have disobeyed, angered, frustra- uh, been frustrated or rebelled against you, showing them you love them and that you'll always love them can be very uh, beneficial to their growth, right? And I always say this, if, you go to your parent and something has happened and they're they're extremely like really upset with you and they're like, oh, I'm disappointed. I don't, you know, and you don't feel like they love you per se anymore. Would you be comfortable going to them if you've made another mistake or would you try to cover it up? Cover it up. I have tried that before. Cover it up. <laughs> cover, it up. cover it up because uh, yeah. I don't want to get scolded at again. <laughs> right exactly and I think there's a difference between yes every choice has a consequence every choice that you make a good or bad choice has a consequence right so if you make a bad decision it's okay for your parents to give you a consequence or discipline you but I think it's very important to still have that openness to say listen you did what was wrong I am a bit disappointed in you we are going to have to build back trust but I'm still here and I still love you and if anything happens I still want you to come back and you talk to me all right because ain't nobody gonna support you like I would as your parent does that make sense do you feel like if your parents came at you that way you would feel more comfortable to say like dad I made this mistake but I gotta go to my mom or my dad or my grandma or my uncle you know maybe yeah maybe let's talk about the maybe um if something like if they did say something like that, yeah, um, from now on I would I would go to them, but sometimes between like a child and parent relationship, sometimes the parent at least has to hear what the child has to say before yelling at them and and lecturing them about what they did wrong. No, for sure, and I think that's why within this component of thriving, right, these eight things of thriving showing love that's a form of it right saying like why did you do what you did i want to understand why you did x y and z explain to me right um i 
and I understand that with parents, sometimes parents are frustrated. They, they're going through a lot. There's a lot of things that's happening. But I do think it's very important for, um, because I think it's extremely important to make sure that there's space open for a child to feel comfortable to ever to always come back to a parent because you don't want them to go to someone else and seek guidance and help. I mean, that's the premise of this show, right? Is that you guys have questions and the goal is, is to answer them in a way that's effective so you don't go out and get these answers somewhere else where you're led astray. For the sake of time, we're going to talk about a few of the other ones a little bit more quickly. We have uh, education. Education is extremely important. Um, and education can be looked at in so many different ways. It's not just about going to school, but education comes at the form in, at home, right? Encouraging your children to read books, um, the conversations, traveling, uh, all of this is really important that goes with education. Everything is a teachable moment and children will always be, we as humans will always be uh, students of the world. There's always so much to learn. So we should teach our kids uh, and we should always try to be as open-minded as possible. Then you have positive role models. Parents are the first positive role models that a child is going to see. And it's very important that whoever you place your child in front of is someone that's a positive role model as well. And also teaching those values as to who is a positive role model, who's not, right? So if you are saying one thing um, and saying that your child should do, you know, you should be kind, you should be nice, but you're not being an example of that, children are going to do what they see, not so much as what they hear. Even though we want children to do what we say and not what we do, that's not how it goes. They mimic what they see. Um, and they don't always uh, hold on to all the things that they hear, right? And the last one is structure, rules, boundaries, and limits. Without them, kids are forced to be adults before they are ready, and they lose respect for you and other adults. I think we talked about this before. Does everyone agree with that, or they feel like, I mean, not really. Like, it's okay for children to be a little bit of an adult. Mm -mm. I feel like the only time, like, I think children do, like, become, like, mature faster unintentionally because of, like, what their parents tell them, especially, like, girls. They always have to be like, oh, make sure you don't wear anything too um, exposing, make sure you aware of your surroundings, make sure you're not talking to anyone, make sure this, make sure that, and especially if like you take care of like a little si a sibling you're almost like their mother mm. yeah okay. i agree with like that mature a little bit more faster that is that is very true right so if your structure is that you are taking care of a sibling or you have to have certain adult responsibilities then those boundaries and that structure it it, it, it is a little bit different right and yeah. i think go ahead Sorry. So, like I said, I agree with Glenda because it's true. The more, like, the more responsibility your parents give you, the more you're going to mature faster. It doesn't matter how many, how many rules your parents have. If they give you adult responsibilities, you're going to mature faster either way. Especially, like Glenda said, the girls, they will tell us 
don't wear this, don't wear that. Yet they won't tell the boys to keep it in their pants. They don't teach them that. And the girls, they do all the house chores. Like, oh, if you keep on doing this, you're not going to be a good housewife. This, this, and that. Oh, go wash the dishes. Be useful for once. Or just like go clean around the house because this, this, and that. And I'm like, wait, but why can't the other child do it? Why do I have to do it? And another thing that I don't understand is like parents say, oh, I cook for you, I clean, I pay bills and stuff like that. Well, that's what you signed up for. You can't expect us to do your job. I mean, yeah, I get it. You want us to like help, but you signed up for it. You know what you were getting into when you were becoming a parent. Right, like you could have avoided this pregnancy in so many ways, yet you decided, wait, let me have a child. So with being a parent comes big responsibility. You can't really blame the child. You can't say, oh, but I do this, this, and this for you. When it's your job as a parent, it's not our job to feed ourselves. It's not our job to clean ourselves. Like, seriously, calm down. You decided to have us. You need to take full responsibility. Listen, I completely understand where you guys are coming from. Obviously, as Glenda said, there is a balance between right? Giving you the basic bare minimum versus what parent, the extra of what parents do, right? Because a parent may hear this and say, oh, okay. You know what I mean? Like, you're right. I'll give you your basic needs. I'll help you with, but with that, that game or that, this, or that thing that you want, I ain't doing none of that because I can't afford it. I can't, you know, so I do, there's a level of, yes, you was brought into this world and you didn't have no say in that. Oh, show. Right. But then there's also that level of, um, again, because we're not solely into a state of thriving, depending on how we are living and the circumstances our families are giving. So a lot of times there is that notion of like, help me out. I'm barely making it if I'm a single mom or I'm trying my hardest if I'm this. So, you know, and again, it's not technically your responsibility, but if you look at it like that, then that relationship right? It's, there's going to be a lot of tension um, because you want to move in a space where it's like, let me do what I can because the reality is, is that with the circumstances, because let's think about it, with these eight things that they're saying children need to thrive, how many of you feel like you are lacking a lot of these or don't get it fully? And think for me it's consistency uh structure and stability that you lack yeah yeah okay so if our parents are the most important relationship as a kid what is the most important relationship as you get older what do you guys think um maybe self-love relationship like a friend or something because you know not all the times our parents is gonna be there, so like you know, with your friend. Okay, so Zion says a friend. Like this is where like you feel like other people come in. It could be self love or even still parents. Um, I say like business relationships. Mm. So you feel like as like, you get older, yeah. 
um, it's, it gets to that business relationship part. Okay. Okay. Well, um, I think the most important relationship as you get older is self-love because um, self-love is important and in order to be in a relationship, you have to be able to like actually know your worth and love yourself first before you put yourself in someone else's hands. Yes, Glenda, actually the most important relationship as you stated as you get older is the relationship you have with yourself. Self-love is extremely, extremely important. And actually, um, when we did our surveys for our scholars, 90.9% of those who answered the survey agree that in order to be in a healthy relationship, you first need to love yourself. And only 10% disagreed. Dr. Vanessa Marie Perry, right? She's, a, um, she's considered a relationship expert and she's like a strategist and she's really dedicated to helping men and women and heal past traumas redefine how they see, seek, and experience love and relationships, right? And this is talking about intimacy. But she's she thinks it's very important in order to even get to that intimate relationship or friendship relationship, you do need, there's four pivotal things that's extremely important. One is spirit. She says, it doesn't matter if you believe in God, Buddha, Mary, or a higher power. It is important to be grounded in something greater than yourself. Your relationship to the spirit will allow you to call upon that power in good times and bad. It will keep and help you uh, help you do far more than you've ever imagined. The next relationship after that spirit relationship, she says, is the self. A healthy relationship with self will ensure awareness of who and what you are. You understand your strengths and opportunities for growth. We are our greatest cheerleader and our hardest critic. A balance between the two results in a healthy relationship that can accomplish anything, right? If you believe in yourself, you can do anything. That's why it's so important that as a young, at a young age, you hear black boy joy, black girl magic, because they try to and push young girls, young black and brown kids, especially, that they can do all things. What does that mean to you? Because I, I just said a lot. Hmm. Like knowing just that being happy with yourself. Knowing that you're worth something. Don't let people tell you that you're that you're nobody and never gonna make it anywhere when their words don't matter. It's your life, it's your journey, and it's and you have the control over yourself. And right now I think it's time for black bags, black bags, black bags, black bags. <laughs> I think it's safe to say that microphones are used every day to communicate over distances far and wide. And more than 90% of the microphones used today, including the microphones used in phones, cameras, even on this podcast, use a microphone co-invented by a Black man. Dr. James E. West was tasked with <laughs> creating a more sensitive, compact microphone while working at Bell Labs in 1960, al along with his German colleague, Gerhard Sessler. West invented a foil electric microphone which was considerably less expensive to produce the t than the typical used condenser microphones. I'm not sure what that is, but he did it. Two years after it was invented, the final model of the microphone was developed, and in 1964, they patented the landmark invention. Only four years later, the new microphone was in wide production 
and was being used in hearing aids, tape recorders, most telephones, and baby monitors. So thank you, Dr. West, for your contribution. And now back to regular scheduled programming. We get it. We gotta love ourselves. But how does that tie into healthy relationships? And what is a healthy relationship? A healthy relationship is with two or more people who respect each other. They can talk honestly and freely to each other and share power and control over decisions. They trust and support each other and respect the trust, sorry, and respect each other's independence. In contrast, an unhealthy relationship is unbalanced. One partner, um, aka a person in a relationship, tries to control the other. So I'm going to stop it right here. And I really felt that it was important for me to come in and preface what you guys were about to hear. During our recording for our show, um, one of our amazing hosts, one of the main hosts, was actually having real live relationship issues. And during the recording, it was so obvious that she was going through something, so we just had to address it. But I want to thank her for being so brave enough to decide to keep it inside of the show as she felt that the conversation could possibly help someone else. And if you pay attention to how she started the conversation and then how she discusses things towards the end of the show, I think there are a lot of lessons in there too. So again, I just want to uh, commend Glenda for being so brave to open us up into her personal life, uh, being brave enough to share it with the team, but even more brave enough to share it with the community. And I want to thank the community in advance for showing nothing but love um, because that's what we do here at SBAM and that's what we do as a community uh, to Glenda for, again, her braveness and her vulnerability. So let's jump back into the show. Glenda, what's the tea? What's going on? <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. So. <laughs> okay. Remember the guy that I was telling you about? Mm-hmm. Miss Yonda. I told you all about. Well, uh, we got into an argument because um, it's based, it's mostly my fault. Um, Let us be the judge. Let's see. But it, it will be interesting to see. We do know about healthy and unhealthy relationships, right? Because that's just something we've learned and we want to bring it to the community. Um, tell us what's going on. Okay, so it's not that he's possessive, but like when we're on FaceTime, I'm usually like doing schoolwork or stuff like that. He's like, who are you texting? I'm like, I'm not texting the one, I'm doing schoolwork. And I'm like, he's like, okay, okay. And so we were supposed to like be watching a movie together. And he got mad because I was doing my schoolwork. But I told him I wasn't going to do any of my school, right? I was just gonna watch the movie with him. And that's like one of the things that happened. And then it's just a lot. Okay, so let me ask you this question. Do you think that you are, is that his response to that, was it, is it healthy 
or do you feel like it's a little bit unhealthy? Um, well, I, I told him, like, uh, I'm not comfortable with that. And he was like, yeah, I know. Like, because, like, he knows. Because, like, he's, he, I wouldn't say that he's a bad boyfriend, but, like, he knows right from wrong. And I guess he was just, like, frustrated at the time. I want to, okay. One thing, key thing that you mentioned is that he knows right from wrong. Yeah. Right. That's a key part. Did everyone hear her say that he knows right from wrong? But then you said, you know, it seems like maybe he was just a little frustrated. So my question to you is, how did he handle coming to you about the fact that you were doing your schoolwork? He he, because like I guess he didn't like know that I was doing my schoolwork. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. He thought I was doing something else and not paying attention to him. And I guess just he just got mad. And when I told him I was in his school, he was like, okay, whatever. So did he yell and be like, yo, what's like, how to give us, you know, give us? No, he didn't yell at me. He was just like, why aren't you paying attention to me? I feel some type of way. And I was like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm doing my schoolwork. He was like, okay. And then, like, I would talk to him. I'll be like, are you okay? He wouldn't answer me. Okay. And how long has this been? When did when did this incident happen? Two days ago. <laughs> so he's like icing you out a little bit. You feel like or uh, just a little bit because he like he was like he was texting me earlier and he was just saying like. I'm sorry that I, I kind of got mad at you and stuff like that. Like, I kind of don't trust you. Cause and I was like, what, what do you mean you don't trust me? I'm like, I don't do anything. And I'm like, ah, I don't know. I was just like, okay, whatever. Mm. All right, so let's back this up. He, you feel like he knows right from wrong. He got upset with you for doing schoolwork um you feel like it's your fault that he got upset it's been two days he's kind of icing you out but he apologized and said now that he doesn't trust you you feel strongly about the fact that there's you haven't given him any reason not to trust you because you don't and i i feel like i do know that you don't do nothing (laughs) like you really be in the house (laughs) and um you also your mom is strict so i i don't i can't do anything yeah you really can't I want to ask the team, do you think that this is a healthy situation or a bit of an unhealthy situation? And because unhealthy. this is our team out, okay, Kennedy straight off said unhealthy. Anybody yeah, else? He sounds really insecure because, like, she was doing schoolwork and he's like, who are you texting? Like, you seriously don't trust your own girlfriend? Yeah, he sounds insecure and, yeah, it's kind of unhealthy. You, you need trust in a healthy relationship. So right off the bat, I personally don't like him. But it could be something that the girl did. In well, the, the past. Which is interesting because she said that what Glenda said was, it's it was, it's probably my fault because, you know, like I, I, I was telling him that I was going to focus, but I was doing schoolwork. Now, granted. Okay, but like, it's schoolwork. It's 
school is more important than any type of well any type of um young relationship so he kind of needs to understand wait hold on school is important to her she has a strict mom so like i should probably kind of understand that what do you think about that glenn oh okay yeah i get what you're saying he was telling me like i don't like mean to say this but like I kind of don't trust because of what I've been through in past relationships. And I was like, so let me ask you this question because this really ties into self-love in my opinion and self-worth, right? If you haven't dealt with your own traumas and things that you've been through in your past, right? And you jump into another relationship, which is what he's done. And it's not to say that he's a bad person. It's not to say that he's a bad boyfriend, right? But now he's putting you in a position where you constantly have to say on edge, like, oh, look, I'm not texting no one. Uh, I don't even want to answer my phone because I don't want you to think that I'm doing something other than what I'm doing, right? And I think it's a reflection of your self-worth, in my opinion, because there has to be a level of understanding to say, well, I'm not, and I understand that you went through this, but we have to figure out how you can trust me because I, I can't move a certain way. You know what I mean? Like there's a level of, yes, I want to accommodate the person that I'm with, but you're not doing anything wrong. And I don't want you to, because what I see is that you're going to start moving and being on edge. Like, well, I don't want to do this while I'm on it because I want to be careful that I'm not texting him. But if he's so insecure about it because of his past and he hasn't dealt with it, it's no matter what you do, he may start to feel it's like, you know, like you can be doing anything. You haven't done anything already. And he's already like, I don't trust you because it's not you. It's him. It's what he's been through. Does that make sense? So he has to deal with some of those issues and you have to learn to be firm in who you are to not belittle or make yourself smaller to try to accommodate someone else who's going through such a hard time. Because guess what? That's an imbalance of the power. You're going to make yourself smaller just to appease him because of the things that he's going through. Again, doesn't make him a bad person. Just makes it shows that he's going through things that makes an imbalance in this relationship. Yeah. The reason why self-love is the most important relationship as you get older besides a friend or a business is because you can't pour from an empty cup. If you're not good, if you don't love yourself, what's going to happen is that you, it's easier for you to get manipulated it's easier for you to uh, get isolated from situations, which we're going to talk about, right? So really quickly, and I think Kennedy said it one time, but she said, knowing you're worth something, understanding that you have control, not allowing anyone to tear you down, right? So though I understand that when we're in relationships with other people, you never want to give another person so much power over you that you are sad throughout the whole week or days because this person is not responding to you in a certain way or they're not caring for you in the way that you want because then you're giving them all of that and you have to seek the happiness for you that's why self-love is so important because you can get into a relationship and say all right i'm not gonna lie this person broke my heart but i'm gonna be okay like yes i'm hurt like yes I wish maybe the relationship didn't, you know, end or I wish I was in a health, you know, I wish I didn't have to go through what I went through, but I know I'm going to be okay. Because at the end of the day, I love me. Is that easy? No. Self-love is a 
forever journey. Serena Williams even said, all right, we looked at a quote earlier where she said, um, you have to learn to love yourself until you die, right? <laughs> like that's something that you have to keep doing. It's not a one-time thing. It's an action. It's like building a muscle. Um, so yeah. Does anybody agree or disagree or just feel like, nah, I feel like it's not that serious. I feel like, you know, he's a, you know, he has an issue, but they can just, and I'm not saying you guys can't work through it. I'm saying that you have to make sure that you're not lessening yourself for someone else because your day is all, your day is affected. Yeah, I know. Usually like when we have like a problem, we'll eventually, not like at the time, we'll eventually talk about it and like, result like what did I do to do what did I do what did you feel that I did wrong so that way I know like what not to do or we will tell each other how we feel and again you want to make sure that there's a level of balance if you have to change every part of you to accommodate this person that may not be the healthiest thing you know what I mean like if you have to walk on eggshells for everything because this person has insecurities, you want to think about that. Do you think, Glenda, that you're in a healthy relationship? Yeah, I think, I think I am. I am, but like, there's just, no, with the distress issues, that's just the one thing that's like, I don't know, just like. Do you think trust is extremely important in a relationship? Yeah, I do. All right, so let's look at it. This is some signs of, to know that your relationship is healthy. If you trust your partner, you treat each other the way you want to be treated and accept each other's opinions and, and interests. You feel physically safe in the relationship. Um, your partner likes your friends and encourages you to spend time with them and wants you to include them in his or her life as well as yours. You make important decisions together. Your partner understands when you spend time away from him or her. You don't feel responsible for protecting your partner's reputation. Reputation or for covering his or her mistake. Your partner encourages you to enjoy different activities like joining the volleyball team or a football team, running for student government or being in a play and helps you reach your goals. Yeah, your, your partner, goals are important. <laughs> Your partner loves you for who you are, not just what you look like. You are not afraid to say what you think and why you think that way. You like to hear how your partner thinks and don't always have to agree. Right? Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. You have both a friendship and physical attraction. You don't always have to be with your partner 24-7. Mm-hmm. And your partner doesn't force sexual activity or insist that you do something that will make you uncomfortable. Yeah, so anything opposite of this is it's unhealthy. And this goes for friendships and stuff like that as well. If your friends are, if you are obviously uncomfortable with something and your friend is trying to tell you, come on, like, but let's just go to this party, like, oh, let's go to this person's house or let's do something. And you, and you, and you know that you keep saying, like, I really don't want to go and they keep peer pressuring you. That can, you know, like you, you may have to really assess, like, what kind of friend we got going on here. Your friend should be protecting you. 
like knowing like all right nah she don't she's not into this uh, i'll make sure she goes home and we go out to party because that's not what she she doesn't want to do anything like that you know what i mean and that's okay it's okay to be exactly who you are right it's same thing accepting who you are um for you right pouring into you not just trying to give take away from you same thing with friendships you know you can think about a healthy parent relationship as well and then um because there's emotional violence there's physical violence when it comes to a relationship too right uh, emotional abuse somebody who verbally makes you feel less than what you are consistently because we're all amazing so they may tear you down and act like you're not worthy of something because they are insecure and you have to be careful about that. This is a good conversation so far, guys, right? Bye. Okay. All right, guys, I think it's time for one more. Black facts, black facts, black facts, black facts. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Angel Alice, you're up. Do you know who the first African American poet was? It was Phyllis Wheatley. <clears throat> Her original birth name is unknown. She was born somewhere in West Africa sometime during 1753. The exact place and date of birth is unknown as there are no known <clears throat> surviving records of her initial appearance. However, we do know she was kidnapped at the age of eight and was taken to America where she was sold in Boston to the Wheatley family. Here, she became the enslaved servant for her owner's wife, Susanna Wheatley. Hence, her last name and her first name is to be claimed as the name of the ship that brought her here. As a servant, it is said, Phyllis was treated well, as her owners were known to be a progressive thinking family. Despite being owned by the family, they did educate Phyllis to the point where she was literate in English, Greek, and Latin, allowing her to write her first poem at the age 14, titled To the University of Cambridge in New England. It is said that the family nurtured Phyllis's talent, showing off her skills to friends and family who in turn encouraged her to pursue an education and developed her writing. Within a year, Phyllis was published, making her the first African-American and first African-American woman to be published on the release of her first volume of poetry in 1773. Unfortunately, Phyllis and her family suffered from unfortunate circumstances due to poverty. In 1789, after the death of the poet, one of her poems was published by a London newspaper. And this was the poem. I, young in life by seeming cruel fate, was snatched from Africa's fancy happy seat. What pangs excruciating must molest? What sorrows labor in my parents' breast? Stilled was that soul, and by no misery moved, that from a father sees his babe beloved. Such, such my case, and can I then but pray, others may never feel tyrannic sway. All right. I mean, that's what we have for the people. Is there any advice that you would give someone who is in an unhealthy relationship? Uh, look at Do the you side. Good. 
look at Wait. the sign. That's first. Just like, if you're an unhealthy, if you are in an unhealthy relationship, and you're thinking about like, wait, is he kind of toxic? Is she kind of toxic? Are they kind of toxic? You should look at the signs of how they're acting towards you or if they've changed. Yeah, and if you are like in an unhealthy, try, try like to talk to the person. If it doesn't get better, break it off. Just break it off. Okay, do you have any examples of um, some of the red flags? Um, well, communication. If they do not communicate mm. enough with you, that's mm, mm -mm, not, not the best. Trust, they don't trust you, no. Mm -mm. Um, and if they prioritize things like their friends, like unnecessary things instead of you, because like, yeah, I know that you have to have your own time, but at least let me know. So a balance, a balance yes. is what you're saying. Balance. Like if I was in a relationship and like my partner would just out of nowhere stop texting me and I'm like hey what's up and it's like oh sorry I was out with my friends and I'm like okay I don't mind that you're out with your friends you could have at least let me know I would I wouldn't be able to I wasn't going to stop you I just wanted to personally know where you were or just what you were doing because like do you I'm feel like you need to learn do you feel like you need to know what the person is doing at all times no just like okay. Not at all times, but like sometimes, because you will get worried for them if it's like they don't text you back or something, and it's like what, they might be doing something, but it's been a certain amount of time. Wait, what? What could have happened to them? It's an instinct, instinct. Yeah, that you're gonna get worried. So I mean, like, yeah, if you're gonna do something that you're gonna be gone for some time. At least let me know. I don't okay. care what you're gonna be doing. It's just the courtesy you feel like. So like if we're in the middle of texting then out of nowhere, you don't text me back. And I'm like, what? what's going on? Is he okay? Did something happen? You feel like, just let me know that you're going to be busy. So I don't have to be, you know, I don't, I don't text you back or I, I go on about my, you know, that's what you're saying? Yeah. Um, I think some red flags uh, also is if you feel like you have to change who you are the person is a bit possessive right or overly jealous with everything that you do um obviously if someone decides to hit you or is like you know you know flexing like they're gonna hit you or talking to you uh disrespectfully th these are all red flags if you see somebody if you see a partner he or she have a temper with other people just because it's not you does not mean anything. If you see, don't, I don't want you, anybody to sit here and think that you can save this person, right? That's not your job. Save yourself. Self-love, okay? Don't go out here trying to save these guys and talk about some, well, you know, he's not, he's not, he doesn't yell at me. He treats me differently. Yeah, but that's because you've been noticing how to not get him upset. So you got to be careful with that. Any other advice, Kennedy? I thought you may. I I, I didn't wasn't sure if you said something. 
Oh yeah. Um, if you're in an unhealthy relationship, do yourself a favor and leave that person. Don't, don't just, don't stay with them if you know, if you know you're hurting yourself. Just, just leave them. Leave them. Just leave them, please. Do your, do your, do yourself a favor. Just leave them and find someone who actually does love you and appreciate you and care for you and will do anything to make you feel worth it, worth something. And again, I think it's important to anything you can ever think about that you may want from another person, make sure that you have it yourself, right? You want love. How are you loving yourself? Are you neglecting yourself or you decide not to take a shower, but you want a clean person and you want somebody to be, you know, well-kept, but you're not doing it. All these little things, it, it really starts to matter. How are you taking care of yourself? You know? If someone is not respecting your goals that you have because they just want time with you, if you're sitting there telling them, I have this deadline and I have to make this work, but they're like, oh, but I haven't spoken to you in that long. I just want to speak to you, right? Now they're playing on your guilt, but you have a goal. If this goal is important to you, then what they should be doing is supporting you, period. There's no end if or buts about it because if someone's being selfish, right, there are, there's, there's levels to that. Now, if you don't, if you haven't spoken to them in, in five months and they're like, I just want one moment with you or something like that, that's different. Maybe you don't need to be in a relationship because you focus on a goal and you got to focus on that goal. It's okay to put you first and say, I don't have the time for this. Don't stress yourself out trying to make time if that's not what you have. Choose you so that you can be the best version of yourself so that when you get into a relationship or when you are dealing with your parents or you're dealing with, you know what I mean? You have, and that goes for parents too. If parents are not their optimal selves, right? If they are frustrated and upset, they take it out on sometimes on you guys. True or not true? Self-love for them is just as important so that they can pour into you guys in the best way possible. This is all a tenfold situation. What did you guys learn about relationships and the importance of healthy relationships versus unhealthy? And what would you... What do you want our guests to take away? Mm -hmm. um, something that I want people to take away from this is that it's okay to be single. And you don't have to feel obligated to be in a relationship because everyone else is, is in one, like your friends. And being single is literally just like uh, a mindset, basically. Mm. It's nothing that you're obligated to do and you're not gonna, people are not gonna be like, make fun of you because you're single or anything like that. Um, and plus, when you're single, you can be, do whatever you want without the other person having to question you or, yeah, you don't, being single is good, okay? You have your freedom. I'm single as a Pringle and I like that. <laughs> Also, like one big thing is if you are getting asked out and the person and you don't like the person that's asking you out, don't feel pressured to say, yes, I want to go out with you. Just tell them that you don't feel the same way. And if they say like any bad comments, know that if you did like them, they wouldn't be good for you. Mm -hmm. because, yeah. Mm -hmm. 
I've seen a lot of people, specifically boys, who have asked girls out, they said no, and they would say, oh, I don't like you, you're ugly anyway. Like, seriously? Mm-hmm. If you, if somebody rejects you, you can't say this, this, and that. If you wanted to date them, you wanted to go out with them, you can't say that. Like, you literally contradict yourself. Yeah. So, did you want to go out with that person or not? I love that, Joe Alice, because what you're saying I is, guess. go ahead, Glenn. No, no, you can go. No, I was going to say what Joe Alice is saying is stand in your truth, right? Like, if this is something you don't feel comfortable to do, do not go against your gut, your, your, uh, that, that strong feeling to say no, because a lot of times that ends up with uh, more problems, right? Because you go out with somebody, you don't really like them, and then you're faking it, or you wind up having to break up with them anyway, right? So stand in your truth. And then on top of that, pay attention to someone's character, right? The people who want to, who may treat people a certain way, even if a person, we talked about this in healthy versus unhealthy, right? Even if you see that someone is treating someone else treating you nicely, but treating other people badly, what does it say they won't switch that up? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Pay attention to their character because she's right. If the person, if you reject the person and the person is like, oh, you ugly anyway, ah, then it's like, uh, yeah, you probably wouldn't have been, yeah, and you wouldn't have been a good person for me to date, female or male. Like, your character, you can't deal with rejection properly, right? Because you want a person who can at least communicate effectively, right? Because that's a big part of a healthy relationship is communication, right? Um, so, yeah, I love that you said that, Joe. Glenn, was there something else you was going to say? Yeah, and like I said, uh, you don't need a relationship because you should love yourself. And you need to love yourself because in reality that's the only person who you're actually going to spend your life your whole entire life with until you die it's yourself and yeah (laughs) treat yourself well learn how to be in a healthy relationship with yourself before you get into one with with someone else right i love that um anybody else anything else you guys learn or want the people to take away from this Love yourself. Know what your self-worth is. Mm. You know what I'm going to say? Yeah. Love that. Thank you, Zion, the kid. Uh, Anybody else? All right. If you find yourself in an unhealthy relationship, please understand that you are not alone. Speak up. Say something to someone. Okay? Um... Here at SBAM, we have a host of counselors. You have myself, Ms. Keonda Hester. Uh, there's an intern here with Partnership, uh, Ms. Johnny Ray Ayala. You also have Mr. Adam Strobel. You have Ms. Teresa Mayerhofer. You have Ms. Genesis Peralta, who is the guidance counselor. Okay. You also have Miss Orlean. You have all of your teachers who I, you know, this is my first year here, but everyone seems to genuinely, genuinely care about the students. Okay. And not for nothing, you have the principal as well. So um, we're all here for you. Okay. Again, we encourage you to also talk to your parents if you find yourself in a a situation that's unhealthy. And again, if you're afraid to talk to your parents, 
I highly suggest that you go over and what what should they do, guys? What should they do if they're having issues with talking to their parents? Visit our first podcast. Facts. Listen to our first podcast. It gives you all the tools. Listen to it with your parent. Um, okay, so you can get to that space in which you can talk to them effectively. All right, guys, what is going to be the next topic? The next topic. Why should they come back? We're talking about LGBTQ. <laughs> LGBTQ. Yes, this was the most, the most requested topic. The most requested topic. Mm-hmm. So we're going to give you guys what you want. We're going to give you guys what you need. We're going to give you guys what you want. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to check out the SBAM website, www.sbam296.org and Instagram at SBAM296 for all the updates on activities and program changes. We will end the show with a poem by Yesenia Eugene Perkins to remind us of who we are and what we can become. Please do not just celebrate Black history for this month, but every day. For Black history is American history. Hey, Black child. Do you know who you are? Who you really are? Do you know you can be what you want to be if you try to be what you can be? Hey, Black child. Do you know where you're going? Where you're really going? Do you know you can learn what you want to learn? If you try to learn what you can learn. Hey, Black child, do you know you are strong? I mean, really strong. Do you know, do you know you can do what you want to do? If you try to do what you can do, hey, Black child, be what you can be. Learn what you must learn, do what you can do, and tomorrow your nation will be what you want it to be.